0: About, uh, uh, with my sweetie, so my wife will have to get my sweetie for me. No temptations at all for chocolate, I'm afraid. Sorry, I'm not normal. So we have our reading from chapter 4 of Luke, and it'll be on the screen, I expect. Yes. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of God.
1: Good morning. <clears throat> um, my name's Andy Horton, and Tim Lomax, our vicar, is away um, this, this week um, on, on, on half-term, so, uh, uh, so, the, so the junior team are kind of uh, taking charge uh, for those who are visitors. Today at Christchurch, we are look, continuing, uh, we've got a theme, a long theme, on life matters, topics, uh, relating to everyday uh, issues that we face how does a relationship with jesus uh, make a difference to the way we act uh, each and every day and last week um uh, tim spoke on stress and if you haven't heard it do listen to us do listen it really uh, good because stress is um a subject that we all need guidance on but this week um the subject is dealing with temptations um Dreadful title or exciting title? Well, we've obviously been thinking about it already. But after reading this passage about um, Jesus' temptations, we might perhaps rename it, um, and um, we could rename it, Focused on the Calling, Focused uh, on the Calling. Uh, so perhaps uh, we'll have a little look at it uh, now. Now, does anyone remember who this chap was? Yeah, David Blaine. David Blaine, and um, um, for those of you who don't know, David Blaine, he was an amazing chap. He was, he was from America, and he, he, he does all sorts of funny feats. Um, and on this occasion, uh, he was in this perspex cage on the south bank of the Thames, and, this, and, he was, and his aim was to be there for 44 days um, inside this cage, suspended in the air. Um, and during that time, he went without any food for 44 uh, or for, uh, nutrients, and he survived on just four and a half liters of water a day. Now, a number of spectators um, saw this, and, and um, obviously most people were just amazed. But some people thought, "Well, we'll just chuck the odd sausage up by the cage and things." Um, and according to BBC News, a hamburger was flown up there by a remote control helicopter, um, as a kind of taunt for this poor guy. Anyway, he did manage. He came, the, he came out of the, um, the cage at 44 days. He'd lost 25% of his body weight, um, and, um, he really wasn't very well at all. Now, our reading today comes right at the start. Uh, of Jesus' ministry, and, he, and he, was in, he was in the desert for 40 days. Um, and Jesus is baptized uh, by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, and then the Holy Spirit, we read, uh, descends on him like a dove. And he says, you're my son. You're my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. Now, it's very interesting. If you look at the, um, the, the passage of the chapter just before our topic today, chapter 3, we have an amazing baptism service, and we had an amazing baptism service um, on uh, on Wednesday. It was it was wonderful how kind of young people and uh, I mean a messy church is not just the kind of youngsters being baptized. It was the old, It was kind of some older ones as well, and it was really good how different people of different ages were expressing their faith in the Lord Jesus. But Jesus was baptized, and then we read that he was led out into the desert. Um, but we, re- we have the, one of these things called a genealogy in between the two, um, which, is, which is interesting. What's a genealogy? Anyone, can anyone tell me what a genealogy is? Sorry. Okay, ancestry. Okay, is a study is the genealogy is a study of families of ancestry. Okay. And what's interesting when I, I read this and, and I suddenly and, and I, I thought, well, why is that there? Why is that there? And um, I think there are two possible reasons. Firstly, to emphasize Jesus had a human ancestry. But also, right at the end of that genealogy, it says, uh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So Adam uh, was the son of God, um, as well as Jesus. So Jesus was kind of almost, well, said, well, told he was son of God um, in his baptism uh, by the dove. And then... Um, and then adam was said to be son of god as well so how will jesus compare with the other adam adam failed didn't he adam failed um, in his in, in 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 to serve god but jesus how did he cope how long have you managed without food and i wonder has anyone managed a whole day without food Okay, great. Okay, has anyone managed two days? Okay, has anyone managed three? Okay, four? Okay, I'm full of admiration. That's great. That's great. I won't ask. I won't ask more details. But it's it's not easy. It's not easy. I I I don't cope well without uh, food. When I wonder. When are we most weak? And when are we most susceptible to giving way to temptations? And someone suggested this mnemonic, hungry, angry, lonely, uh, tired. We have to be so careful in these situations, don't we? If, if you're hungry, it's so, it, it's so difficult not to succumb to your temptation, isn't it? If you're hungry in that chocolate, have you still got your chocolates, by the way? Sorry, okay. Make sure you keep them, please. Please don't 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 eat them yet. Okay. But when you're hungry, it's so easy, so difficult not to not to kind of give in to the temptation. And if we're tired or if we're angry, we must never we must never send that email, must we? Must it needs to be kind of kept till the next day. Um, be wise. Be wise. Anyway, Jesus. Was hungry, and the devil comes to him and, uh, in the desert after these 40 days, 40 days. And, he's, uh, and he says, Tell these stones to become bread. Now, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Why is this a temptation at all? It actually seems very sensible, doesn't it? Jesus, you're God, and you're incredibly hungry. You've been healing people. Why don't you just make one or two stones bread? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I think the answer is in this this little bit from Philippians 2, which I think we probably understand when we just read it. Jesus (coughs) didn't, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. It was really important that Jesus was in human likeness. It was critical that Jesus remained subject to human limitations, and that's why it was a temptation for him. By magicking the stones into bread, Jesus would be emphasising that he wasn't subject to the same limitations as the rest of us, and that would be denying the whole purpose of his coming. Man shall not live by bread alone, was what Jesus then replied. The first son of God, Adam, gave in uh, to the food temptation. But Jesus uh, resisted. Temptations, you know, they're usually subtle, aren't they? Surely, Jesus could have changed just one stone into bread. Similarly with us, God doesn't want me to be unhappy. He loves me. If this thing makes me happy, surely God would want me to have it. Because he loves me. I quite enjoy looking at car magazines. Don't know if it, anyone else look, enjoy looking at car magazines. OK, great. <laughs> OK? Um, but I quite enjoy that. But what about clothes magazines? Um, or, or the gadgets? Money? They're not fundamentally wrong, but how we our attitude to them can be wrong. Our wants, our wants need to be put under God's control, like Jesus did. Jesus stayed tuned to the mission his father had given him. If we've accepted Jesus as our savior, then we're also God's children and have a mission (coughs) here on earth. Let's move on to the second temptation. Verse 5, the devil led him to a high place. And showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. If you worship me, it will be yours. If you worship me, it will be yours. What would have happened um, if, at least perhaps I could ask you a question. Perhaps I could ask you, um, um, what, would you what would you want to be at least, this kind of, kind of for younger people. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> or what do you want to be? What do you want to be in future? And that's a really important question, isn't it? Um, those of us at and that, apl- that's huge, that applies hugely. To those of us at school, or at university. What do you want? To, what, what, do you, what are you aiming for? But also to those of us who are in jobs. What are we aiming for? But later on in life as well, what are we aiming for? Have we, what is our calling? What would have happened if Jesus had bowed down to Satan? Because he could have had massive, massive power in the world, and he's so good, he could have abolished poverty and done lots of good things in that, in that kind of way, wouldn't he? Wouldn't that have been worth a compromise of a quick bow down to Satan? Well, actually, no, said Jesus. No. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only is what is written in Deuteronomy. Jesus' mission was to destroy the power of evil by dying on the cross for our sins. That was his mission. He couldn't bow down to Satan and then destroy the power of evil. Actually, he couldn't compromise that, and He didn't compromise there. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. You know, a while ago, a man <clears throat> who was aiming to be an MP was caught speeding, wasn't he? I'm sure you heard about it kind of last week. And afraid of losing his license, he asked his wife to take the speeding points on him, on, uh, for, for, uh, on her license. Because he was convinced he could do a really good job as an MP, um, but he, he couldn't afford to lose his license. He gave in to the temptation, and of course we know what happened. He's now in jail, although he's probably been, in many ways, a really good MP. He was obviously very capable. Where are your and my greatest weaknesses, the points where Satan uh, can get us? We each have a calling from God, whatever age we are. And And it's important that your calling, my calling, your mission is not compromised. The second temptation is to ignore God's will and to ignore his calling uh, for our lives. What is our calling? To live as a child of God. Jesus' calling was to live as a son of God in a sinful world. Our, call, our fundamental calling is to live as a child of God in a sinful world, pointing others to Jesus by how we live uh, and what we say. We should also be looking for guidance regarding our specific individual calling. Now, what about the third temptation? Verse 9, if you're the son of God, the devil says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And then the devil um, quotes Psalm 91. He'll command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, what's wrong with that? (laughs) What's wrong with that? Why couldn't Jesus show how great he was by doing that? and be the fulfillment, as it were, of Old Testament Scripture. What was wrong with that? Well, again, it's the same as before, isn't it? Jesus, as Son of God living on earth, was called to be subject to human limitations. And he, over the next few years, he was going to be tempted to use God's power in miraculous ways on a number of occasions to avoid horrendous things. If you remember, when, when he was on the cross, he was, tempted to, uh, he was tempted to kind of come down from the cross. But So right from the start, Jesus needed to say no to, to this temptation. Jesus, Jesus' mission was not to show everyone he was the greatest by his magical things. His mission was to suffer uh, for the whole world. That's the third temptation. That's the third temptation, the I am the greatest uh, temptation, the power Temptation. So Adam, the son of God, has succumbed, but Jesus uh, did not. And I wonder how God is speaking to to you and to and to me today. Does the Bible say everything that we have to do and not to do? Um, and can I ask you, is the Bible clear on every subject? And uh, and every now and then of the last kind of few months the church is having various challenges thrown at it isn't it and sometimes the bible isn't totally clear sometimes it's clearer than others young people at school is that you have that kind of really irritating someone, person who everyone picks on and you think to yourself no Jesus wouldn't do that and so what do you do you kind of well you just kind of try and stand back and that's really good but are we called perhaps to do a little bit more but then others might think, hmm, what about him or her? And adults were kind of what is right and what is wrong? In society today is everything is relative, isn't it? Providing no one's hurt by what you do, then every course of action is okay. We're affected by our culture, aren't we? And isn't that right? Our Christian faith needs to be relevant to today's culture. It's interesting, I was, well, I was looking at the, uh, the, something in the Old Testament the other day. <clears throat> and to, have you noticed, it says in the Old Testament, the, the, the men often had multiple wives. Okay, well, that was that God's will? Was that, was that right? Was it, well, uh, should we be doing that today? Uh, no, my wife says, no. <laughs> okay. okay, but, sort of, what, but it seems to be accepted in the Old Testament. Was it right? Or was it a reflection of the culture of the time? Genesis 2.24 says this. It says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. Okay? Was it right to have multiple wives? No. It doesn't fit in with that verse, does it? That That was a reflection of the culture of the time. What about today? What about today? As Christians, we are called to follow God's standards and not to, be, not to let our faith follow our culture, although we, it's vital to be relevant to our culture. So we have to work these things out, don't we? I want to leave you with four specific thoughts. Firstly, look how Satan started every, tempta- every temptation with a question. He said, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, Okay, if you worship me, etc. Um, Satan was always saying if. And in, to Eve in the Old Testament, did God say? But surely. And it's easy for our own hearts to say the same, isn't it? So, 1 Timothy 1 verse 19, and do bear this in mind. I'll just, I'll just read this to you. It's a really helpful verse, I think, when we're, when we're not sure. Because, because Paul's giving instructions to, to Timothy, and he says, "Fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience." And a good conscience. Allow God to work on your conscience. Allow the Holy Spirit as well to guide your mind. And we're going to look at this in a, a moment. Where in Titus 2, verse 12, it says He teaches us to say no. He teaches us to say no in situations. We need training by the Holy Spirit. But I think the, but the great message, I think, from Jesus, the real positive message from Jesus today is focus on the better way. Focus on the better way. Jesus knew his calling, which was so much better than Satan's alternative ideas. And similarly, it's the same with us. Jesus was son of God. We are God's children, called to be God's representatives in our world, our home, our job, our leisure. It's a better way and we need to keep this in mind that God's way is a better way. That's why we're called to say no in situations. That's why, etc, etc. Let's follow Jesus and not, not be deflected to the left or to the right. Amen. Thank you.